light and we're looking good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle The number one place to get your Carlisle United fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Dan McLennan Where have all the goals gone? United record another clean sheet But once again failed to trouble the keeper at the other end too We look back on the 8th 0-0 draw of the season against Northampton Town before looking ahead to another massive game in midweek against Stockport County. All we are saying is give us a goal. Yeah, terrible singing from me to start the show. Incredibly That's kind hard. of how I feel after that one, Dan. It's another game, another failure to get on the score sheet, isn't it? Mm. Well, I, I actually missed Saturday because I was mm. working and uh, obviously I had it on the radio, but uh, I don't think I missed much. No, it, it's a weird one because it wasn't kind of like, we'll talk about it in a minute, it wasn't really like the Stevenage one where Stevenage sort of were like, Look, I'm going to accept a nil-nil here, that'll do was quite fine. Not for they still had a go, they still had chances, but we were quite resolute, they were pretty resolute in defence. It was two decent teams that cancelled each other out really in the end, so... So there you go. Um, a slightly um, shorter episode, hopefully, uh, today. It won't be done in terms of the main bits that we record, at least anyway, because uh, there's no news to cover, but we will be doing a quick loan watch roundup. And we're not going to do the X-Files. We're going to save the X-Files for uh, the Barrow preview. Aren't we done? We're going to try and get a bumper yeah. one in there instead. Um, so let's get straight into it then. Um, first up, obviously, we've got to tell you uh, who sponsors the podcast, uh, where you can find us on all the podcast apps and that kind of thing, and how to get in contact with us. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Carl United Supporters Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Carl United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, supporters games and fundraising for the club. This season they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it. And uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Cummins.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, Bugle at gmail.com. Right, Dan, straight into it. Lone Watch roundup first. Uh, one of the last ones that we'll do this season, I think, isn't it? Well, last full ones, at least, anyway. Annan look like they're going to extend it a bit longer, though, don't they? Because their form is phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, really good win on Saturday. 4-0 over bottom club Albion Rovers, who look destined to be facing up against the Spartans, don't they, in the uh, playoff come the end of the season. Um, Yeah, 4-0 win. Uh, There's now a five-point gap to the first non-playoff place. So that's been like literally about one or two points, hasn't it, for most of the season. And now, Annan look pretty much certain to finish in third place, don't they, which is fantastic for them. Uh, we'll extend their season a little bit, at least, similar to what I th- they had last season when Owen Moxon was there. Uh, Max, once again, played the full 90 in this game. Um, three games left to go. First up is a trip to table toppers at Sterling Albion on Saturday. 
Great, 2008, on the other hand, Dan, pff, what a rotten time they're really having, aren't they? For the fourth consecutive weekend, they went to a, down to a 3-0 defeat. And this time it was in the final home game of the season against Cumbernauld Colts. Uh, Lewis Bell once again played the full 90 minutes, but I mean, pff, I don't know how much he's going to be really getting out of playing these 90 minutes in these last four games. It's, it's just frustrating, isn't it, really? But mm. not, not much you can do. Um, they have got it one game left, and maybe... They've got a chance to get something out of this one, haven't they? Because they're playing against Edinburgh University, who are one of the only two teams below them in the table. When I say below, they're a good like 20 points below them, aren't they, I think? So they'll surely be aiming to try and get something from this game, you'd think, to finish on a high. You would think so. uh, Better news, though, for Sam and Sam Fishman, that is, and Morpeth Town. Big weekend for them. They picked up all three points to guarantee safety with one game left to play. The Highwaymen ran out 2-1 winners at already relegated Belper Town, with uh, Sam playing the first half before being subbed for former Blue Liam Noble. Uh, the last game of the season is this weekend against Warrington Rylands at home. A good, good end to the season for Sam, isn't it? I think he's got a few games under his belt as well in these last few games. And you look at it back at it, 26 appearances, five goals. Yeah, maybe not the goal return you'd want, but you know, hopefully a, a decent learning curve for him there. Yeah, uh, I think there's a decision to be had come the summer. Yeah, it is one of those ones, isn't it? How much do you work on the potential he showed in the youth team or when he went on loan to Lancaster mm. City and how much do you think he's not really kicked on now that he's playing at the same level and struggling to make impact? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not the highest level, is it? No, it's not. You almost think he would have been better going somewhere like Workington and playing mm. weekend week out. But then again... Maybe Workington didn't want him. <laughs> That's the yeah, thing. You never yeah. know, do you? So there you go. Speaking of Workington, Kai Nugent, he's obviously been there for a, a couple of months now. Um, 11 appearances under his belt now, but a frustrating weekend for the, him and Reds. They lost 4-3 at 1874 Northwich. Now, if you're a bit confused, thinking 1874 Northwich, are they Northwich Victoria? They're not, are they, Dan? There's some weird yeah. split between the fans there, isn't there? So there's two different teams, I think it is. It's, you, you would need a full episode to explain football in the Norfolk area. It's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. If you haven't sort of followed it, 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 it's very, very weird, isn't it, the way it's set up. But, um, yeah, so 4-3 uh, defeat. Um, that's dented their hopes of guaranteeing a potential home fixture in the playoff final. Because the way it works, second place is guaranteed to be a home in the final if they get there, aren't they? basically. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, I mean, they, they could still be the home team, though, I think, if if Leeds if have lost. Yeah, semi yeah. Well. The, the, the one-off game, so I think it's 2v5, 3v4, yeah. winners of 2v5 at home to 3v4, usually. Yeah. But the higher team gets the home, basically. Yeah. So basically, Wergenton are relying either on beating Colm this weekend in the final game of the season, and Colm, I think, are already relegated. Um, hoping that League Town don't beat Skelmersdale. That would put them into second and guarantee them that. Or, the, as you say, the alternative is they win their playoff and League Town lose their playoff yeah, game. Yeah. Um, I think, to be honest, the way it's going, I think it is a battle between League and Workington, isn't it? I think to go up. Yeah, they're a bit ahead of the others, yeah. Exactly, so there you go. So uh, last home game in the normal league season is against Colne this we- weekend at home. So if you if you can't get to Barrow, maybe pop down to work and see how Kai's getting on there. A few of the ex-Blues there. Also there, he played 56 minutes, I should say, against uh, um, Northwich um, before he was subbed for Stephen Rigg, funny enough. Um, finally, Dan Hill and Cleeta Moore, I mean, their miserable season came to an end at the weekend. They followed up a midweek 4-0 loss at Hulker Old Boys 
with a 5-3 defeat at Garstang. That's a proper end-of-season game, that, isn't it, really? A 5-3 loss. And they finished firmly bottom of the table. And from what um, Jeff Jackson's told us, it looks like the wayside league for them, I think, down possibly next season. Bizarre. Yeah. It's a weird one, isn't it, really? But there yeah. you go. Because I think Whitehaven played the Lancashire League, don't they? And Whitehaven are further north than Cleeton yeah, was, yeah. so... Cleto are historically in the weir side league, yeah. but since the FA have tried to sort of regionalise, there's just there's no justification for them to be in the weir side league. Yeah, it's it's, it's a strange. It's, it's like Pen Penrith Carlisle City managed to stay in the Northern League. They could quite easily be put in the Northwest Counties. It pro- there's an argument. Would it be ju- just well, Carlisle Car- 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 were Carlisle City were in the Northwest Counties. Yeah. And then they got moved out, and I think actually mm. it's been a little bit of a hindrance to them because I don't think they get as many because there's a few clubs in the northwest that have got some really big followings, haven't they? Sometimes to be fair, there is in the northern league as well. Yeah, there's some, some well supported teams. True, there you go. Right, that's a uh, low watch done. Dan, let's move on to the match review section. Cal United nil, Northampton Town nil. Again, not the worst game in the world, but. Not really one for the purists, was it, really? I mean, you, you'll have had a chance to watch back the highlights and that initial thoughts on this one. Uh, I sort of went against the grain on my Twitter after the match and I, I put a tweet out and it actually, I'm just pulling it up here. I said, probably slightly unpopular opinion, but it's a solid point if, and that's the caveat, we follow up with a win tomorrow night. Yeah, I can, I can, I can get that. To be fair, now I've, now I'm a bit more relaxed. Here, mm. A few games after the game, days after the game. Yes, I mean, but, I, ideal world, you would love two wins from these two games, Northampton yeah. and Stockport. Four points isn't the worst. The one problem is the way round that the four points happen. Is, yeah, is the case yeah. that you'd much prefer to beat Northampton and drag them back into it, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. draw with Stockport yeah. and keep them behind us, especially as Stockport drew yeah. in the weekend, which makes it kind of a bit, bit more annoying, doesn't it? I guess, but um, yeah, it's it was weird going into the game. Not obviously, there's another big crowd of over 8,000 fantastic attendance once again, but there was a bit of a flat feeling around the ground. Obviously, you weren't there down to. to experience it but did you get that impression from listening to it on the radio yeah uh, it wasn't as noisy as it could have been uh i know it's quite hard to tell because obviously they're up at the back of the east stand on the radio and whatnot yeah. but the only time there seemed to be a bit noise was like if we got a corner at the warwick road end yeah obviously the the dennis chance was a bit of noise around that but yeah yeah beyond that not not a huge amount was there really um yeah, in terms of the team selection when that was announced, um, what was your thoughts? Obviously, the only change really was Gibson coming in for Ellis, wasn't it? And then obviously J.K. Gordon returning to the bench for the first time in a in a few weeks. Um, were you happy enough for that? I mean, we, me and Mike, when we discussed it on the preview show, we we were kind of in agreement that we felt putting Gibson there was a bit of a risk, possibly, for this one. Yeah, I think that was most fans' worry, possibly the defensive side of it. But by all accounts, I mean you. You could probably tell me better. Mm. Sounded like Gibson did his defensive duties pretty well. He did, yeah. And to be fair, I've got that down as a talking point. But later, maybe we'll come on to that slightly yeah, later yeah. on rather than go straight into it now. I mean, yeah. In, in terms of the game itself, I, I haven't even had a chance to properly look through the 
the extended highlights of this one because I've been very busy this weekend and we're, we're trying to get these all we're trying to do what you know a preview episode for every game with the remaining fixtures aren't we because yeah. everything changes so quickly um, first half there, there was a few nice moments where we played some nice football and looked like we might cut them open but never really got that sort of killer touch to get through and that I, I got the impression, listening, yeah. as the half went on, we were slightly getting on top. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 Not massively, that. but certainly, it, seemed, it sounded like, and this is only from listening to the commentary, we were maybe probing a little bit more, and it's one of them where half-time's probably come five, ten minutes too early for us. Possibly, yeah, I mean... Mellish and Armour were linking up fairly well on the left and Patrick was drifting out there occasionally and supporting them. I just feel like the quality of balls into the box in the last few games has been really poor. There's far too much of just hitting it. Armour's one of the few actually who does seem to put it into like into good areas and give someone a chance to attack it. With the rest, it's kind of like, they're just like Mellish a few times. and I, We love Big John on this programme, but there's a few times where he just gets in there and he just sort of hits it. Instead of getting his head up and just trying to play, pick a player, because he can do that, he's capable of doing it. But there's a few too many times of that. The only real big chance for us in the first half was a, a corner from the left that Moxon took, swinged it into the near post, and it's one of the it's a move that's worked really well for us actually at times this season. With Christian Dennis sort of peels off his man, doesn't he? Comes to the near post and sort of wins a flick on. I think it was either him or Barkley. I couldn't tell because it happened that quickly. I think it was Dennis. But either way, it was flicked across the goal and it just went wide of the far post. And I kind of feel like we should be doing that a bit more, the set pieces, because I don't know about you, but I feel like the, the quality's dropped off massively in the last three or four weeks on that. Yeah, um, if, if you could get the quick flick across, anything can happen in a six-yard yeah. box. I mean, a defender might meet it and welly it out, or it might hit two more players, bounce about, and someone pokes it in. You know, it's it, it's worth a gamble on it. You know, it's... But, yeah, I mean, I can't remember the last time we had a free kick with a chance of a shot where we did something remotely close. Before we go on to the second half, I think that's a good talking point, that. This is kind of one of the reasons why part of me thinks we should have Devitt on the pitch, because I feel it offers that little bit of a threat there at the very least. Because Moxon's, Moxon's a great player, we'll talk about him later on, but... I'd never really feel when we get a free kick in the edge box and go, he's going to score here. Even with Gibson, I'm kind of like, mm, he might hit the target, but is he likely to put it in the back of the net? Probably not. Every time, I don't know, we come back, Granger's probably the last one we really had, you really back to do that, but Devitt especially. Every time he has a chance, to, you think the keeper's probably going to have to make a save at the very least, isn't he? You know, we had the one that hit the bar against Harrogate, and that's about yeah. it. You wonder if 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 Devon's not on the pitch, should we maybe be trying something a little bit different there, or trying someone else taking it? Maybe let Patrick take one. He's got a decent long range shot in him. You know, that, that's. I feel like there needs to be a bit bit of variety there. What would you do? I'd let Arma have a go at one. Hmm. I've always liked a full back taking a free kick. Oh, we saw it with Granger, didn't we? <laughs> he was very yeah, good at them, yeah, to be fair. Yeah, yeah that, that, I could see that. Maybe I'm, well, if he's got as much power, I don't know. I wouldn't. I'm trying to think about who else you could sort of have a go. I mean, just let Big John just run up and hit it as hard as he can, maybe, or something like that. Why not? Why not? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's worth, worth a change. Isn't it? I feel like there needs to be some variety in that. I'm, 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 a, I'm a big fan of trying things on free kicks and, 
you know, Little yes, you, you can only get away with them once, maybe twice, but yeah. why not? You know, I feel like it needs to be a bit of variety there. But yeah, in terms of corners, it just it's not it's not even the absence of Feeney in there to cause problems. It kind of just feels like because even before Feeney got injured, I think we were struggling a bit. And I've noticed, like, you see different players outside the box. You see different players on the keeper. It felt like when we were sticking to things, like when Mellish just stood on the keeper, or even Armour, one of those two was on there, and the other one was causing problems in the box. It worked. Yeah. And I feel like maybe... It's weird, almost with, with corners, maybe we were trying a bit too much, and we could just get back to basics and do as we were, but I don't know. But yeah, that first half, that was it, really. I mean, Holy had a couple of saves to make, but nothing really major, to be honest, at the back there. Um... And it kind of was a feeling at half time amongst the fans in the paddock that I was speaking to that it was a very equal contest and they probably shaded it. But it was kind of like the sinking feeling of like, where's the goal actually coming from here? We're not really, we've cut them open a couple of times, but then we sat back again and what, what are we going to be able to do? Into that second half and obviously Northampton had a little bit more of a go actually, they went forward and holy, we've got him down as a talking point in a minute, but You've seen this save back. What a save this is as well, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, Hoskins. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful save. So basically, the sort of ball's cleared out and Hoskins just hits it on the turn and it, it, he didn't have time to react to anything because I think it came through a bit of a crowd of players and he just flung himself at it, didn't he? And palmed it away really, really well and, you know, they didn't really have time to react from the loose ball anyway. There was one other one, one-on-one that came from quite possibly one of the worst offside decisions I've seen in a long time, even probably as bad as the Northampton one. I mean, with the Northampton, sorry, Northampton, the Leighton Orient one. With the Leighton Orient one, you can accept there's a bit of confusion there in terms of who's touched it and rules and stuff like that. The ref should know it, but there's confusion there. With this one, the lad's about five yards offside, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's not even in shot, <laughs> not on the, on the thing. And there's no way, unless he can run like five or eight metres in like a I think there was, there was a little bit of, hang on, we're playing on here. Yeah. He was kind of like, I think it actually caught Pinnock out a little bit because Pinnock was kind of like, oh, I've not been flagged it. Yeah, yeah. And, and he actually ends up playing. He actually ends up playing a poor ball to Hondermark. You know, he's through on goal, and if he plays a slightly better one to him, he probably gets through a bit easier. As it is, he has to control it, and Holy does brilliantly, makes himself big, and it must be tough for a mid like a midfielder, somebody who's not you know natural goal scorer necessarily, coming through on goal in that position and seeing a, a big frame like Tomash right in front of you and thinking, right, I'm going to have to try and get this around him here. Great save. And then United had their one real chance of the game, if we're being honest, which was the, um, there was a few long range shots. And if you look at the stats, we've had seven on target, but I, I, I challenge anyone to say, you know, their keepers had to make loads of stunning saves from the thing. He made one great save from Dennis, didn't he? From that, a lovely lofty ball from Gibson over the top. Dennis's initial contact's good. The keeper saves it and, should he do better on the rebound? Uh, I, I, I've had a few people say this, and I, I don't, I'm not sure. I feel that's a bit harsh because I feel like because of the momentum of him heading it, he's he's falling backwards, and he's kind of stretching to get to that second ball. He's not. It's not yeah. a comfortable chance for me. I, I maybe look at it again, maybe disagree. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, it just seemed a bit of a. One of those ones, isn't it? And obviously there was a lot of shouts for whether the ball had crossed the line. The footage shows it clearly didn't cross the line. He nearly did drag it over the line, the keeper, but he didn't cross the line. And it kind of just petered out from there. There was kind of, there was a little bit of excitement late on, but never at any point did I think we're going to win this. 
And in the end, I think both sides were like, you know what? Point to point, another clean sheet. We'll take that for them. They're thinking, great. You know, we're probably securing ourselves in the top three placing, putting ourselves in a good position if we beat Sutton on in midweek. For us, we're like, right. Another game about conceding. Any team he faces them right now are thinking, God, these lot are hard to beat, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just looking at the league table when you say that, you know what I mean? Northampton on 74, Stevenage 73 with that game in hand. Mm. You know, Bradford still have a game in hand. Yeah, it it, it, it is. Their, their game in hand is against Crew. Crew are very unpredictable. Mm. I thought I thought they were a bit of a gimme until recently, but then that Courtney Baker Richardson's back now, isn't he? Yeah, and he scored a few goals, and I think that's sort of changed things. So, I mean, the fact that Crew beat Walsall is frustrating. You look at that and think, you know, if Crew are beating them with yeah, eleven yeah. men, maybe we should really have been getting something from that game. But, yeah. but there you go. Let's look, look at some talking points then, Dan. Um, I mean, the first one it's got to be the case for the defence, doesn't it? And what an incredible job that back back line is doing at the moment. Yeah, uh, whilst, whilst we can complain about the top end of the pitch, we can't really complain about the back end because, you know, that's three clean sheets on the bounce. Five in seven, only conceded two at Orient and Gillingham and mm. the Orient one was a double bounce, you know. it's Yeah, the back the back end are doing well. It's fantastic. There's some, some terrific stats coming out of that. So obviously since that game against... Um, uh, what you call him now? The uh, ooh, my mind's gone blank now. Um, since that game against Mansfield, sorry, the four 0 loss, we've only conceded five goals in eleven games. Yeah, and yeah. as I said before, two of them were against Crawley, and you, you know, one of those says you know game where we won five two, so they don't really matter that much. So in terms of goals that actually mattered in any real sort of way, we only conceded three in ten, which you know, to be fair, going into the end of the season. Promise, if you were get, if you were trying to secure yourself a top three spot, you'd say, "Great." My worry is going into a playoff thing. Can we nil nil our way to the final? <laughs> yeah. Probably and not. Take our chances on penalties. No, it's just too risky, isn't it? Really, in terms yeah. of doing that. See if, yeah. So, um, yeah, the BBC Cumbria Sport put up a really great start actually after the game on Twitter. Um, so the nil nil draw um, means that United have now gone five games without conceding a goal at home. For the first time in 22 years. Obviously, he was manager back then, Ian Atkins, wasn't he? In the one season. And I think some of the defenders we had back then, don't you? You know, Beefwin Stanley, uh, Stuart Whitehead. Um, who else would be there? Dave Morley, I guess, as well. What about then? Mark Birch, who's obviously youth team coach now. And Tony Hemmings, <laughs> played left wing back back then. I was just going to drop Tony Hemmings' name. <laughs> or, or Lee, probably more likely Lee Madison, to be fair, if we aren't conceding goals. I imagine it was Lee Madison doing the job instead, wasn't it? We played a back five back then, actually, when you think about it, didn't we? It was the back three and two wing backs. Uh, there you go. Um, that's a great stat. Uh, I've got another one uh, as well. Um, see, well, the other one is moving on is um, the main man himself, the holy goalie, Tomas. Has he called the club record of uh, one of your heroes, Dan, isn't it? Dave McKellar. Mm. So... Uh, that was his 19th clean sheet of the season, um, which means he's now equaled Dave McCullough's club record of 19 in a season with four games left to play. Now, if I remember rightly, you might know this better. You might have a, something to hand to check this. 84-85 is the season Dave McCullough did that, wasn't it? Was yeah. that a 42-game season back then? Was it 22 teams in that division? I think it would be, yeah. I'm going to quickly grab my uh, complete record and have a look while we're talking, because I'm sure I'll be able to find it. Um... 
Yes, it was. It was a 42-game season. Now, so people might argue, oh, you know, Dave McCullough did it in a 42-game season. Well, Tomas, you know, he's got 46 games. Well, he's done it in 42 games, hasn't he? So he's equaled it in that time and he's probably going to break the record, you'd think, before the end of the season. I can't see him not keeping it. And we, we played that season in what is now the Championship. Yeah, it's very true. Finished 16th. <laughs> Oxford United won the league. Blimey, that, that tells you how far back it is, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah, I mean... We, we've discussed this before. Mike put up quite pertinent sort of thread on Twitter, didn't he? That interesting when you read back some of the replies to it when he did it back in February or January or something like that. I think he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves, does he? No, no. I, I genuinely think he's had a, a an absolutely terrific season, to, to, especially since that Mansfield game. He he's really improved his game, hasn't he? Definitely. I mean, recent weeks, we know, we, we say the defence, obviously that includes the goalie for me because it's all part of the units. And, uh, yeah. you know, the re- like say, five goals in 11 games speaks volumes. It, it, you see the odd person that you on Twitter or place, other places, Facebook, say like, oh, you know, he's not that good. He's only that good because of the defence behind him. I, I don't buy that for me. I, I really don't because I think what you've got there is a defence that knows when 99% of crosses are coming to the box he's going to come out and claim it, isn't he? Or he's going to get a really good punch on it, as he did actually a couple of times on set where there was a bit of a crowd at the weekend. And I know he's six foot nine and people might expect it. He can't claim every single cross, can he? Realistically, no. there's going to be the odd whipped in cross that, that is so got so much pace on it and so well placed. It's very difficult for him to come, especially if you've got potentially two or three plays you can get on it. You think, well, if I come to the point where I can get it, that play at the near post might flick it in, into the back of the net and I'm just standing there looking like a wally. You know, so it's not never as simple as just come and claim every single cross. I have to say one thing as well, his kicking has improved immeasurably as well since that Mansfield game in terms of he's keeping a lot more balls in the pitch and to be fair, that'll be just as much, you know, the management team to blame in terms of the tactics and you've got to target armour every single time, you know, because if, if they wanted, they could tell him, take some from the right side instead of the left. But it's clearly something we, you know, we look at Armour and think he's, you said it before, Dan, you think Armour's very strong in the air, don't you? You really rate him as a potential yeah. centre-back of the future. Yeah, and definitely in a few years' time he'll move inside, I think. So that, that they were clearly targeting him for that reason, because you know, he's got the height and he can beat most you know, smaller full-backs he's up against. So you can kind of get that, can't you, really? And um, yeah, it's, it's I, I think as well, what I would know is as well, when it comes to him on his left foot, He's very strong on that left foot. Very strong for me. You know, he, he always gets up the pitch, generally. There's very few that he scuffs out or scuffs straight to someone. So, yeah, I, I, I think he deserves a lot more credit than he gets. And I think he's a big part of that. why that defence has been so strong this season. So, well done, Tomash. Um, well, let's talk about the other end then, Dan. Goal's still an issue, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, great to see us doing so well at the back. But, you know, the other end, what is that now? Five... You know, five of the last seven we failed to score in now, I think. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Not a great return, is it? It's, no, it's... And you, you just can't put a finger on it either, can you? You know. You can and you can't. Six absolutely. of the last seven, actually. Six of the last seven, I put, you're yeah. right, actually, yeah. Yeah. It was, Tramley, yeah. it was the only game. Yeah, so it's kind of like... I think Simo accepts it, doesn't he? If you look at his post-match comments, he says something has to change. He's going to have to tweak something. I can't see him sticking with pretty much the same 11 bar, maybe swapping Barkley out for Whelan the next game. I think he's going to make some changes, don't you? Because he, 
he seems clear that he wants to try and freshen it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. For me, we'll get onto it in the preview section, but for me, I think they need to look at that midfield free and how that works. For me, there needs to be some sort of change there. Um, you can't really blame Pat. I've heard some people blame Patrick and stuff, and maybe even Dennis. You couldn't really blame either of them at the weekend because no. there was no decent balls into the box. And Dennis was pretty much playing as a number 10 at times. He was coming that deep to try and win the ball. And he actually laid it off really well on a couple of occasions. But you've got that. And then with Patrick, you don't want to play the ball to Patrick if he's back to goal, do you? You want to get it to him on the touchline. Patrick the... needs a ball played half a dozen yards in front of him for him to run on to. Because that's when the afterburners come on. I, I, it's not even in front of him. I think you need to play it to him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Deep, deep deep in the opposite. Well, into the opposition half. But you need to sort of play out wide. And he needs to have a bit of space in front of him. So he needs to come well, a little bit deeper for that the, ball. The problem we have with Patrick. Patrick prefers to be a winger over yeah, a striker. Yeah. And because we play wing-backs, that doesn't lend itself to playing with out-and-out wingers. Because the mm. wing-backs perform that function. Yeah. So he's he's played as a two more central, yeah. And that's not where his best game is. He needs to be cutting in from the left, or if he switches to the right, cutting in. You know, it's Patrick in a two doesn't work for me. End of. I think it can work in some games, but I think at the moment, I'd question whether it is. And I think for me, if you're going to do that. I think you need to give yourself the option to switch to 4-3-3 in the game, which we have done you know, earlier in the year and sort of towards the end of last year. We did that very successfully. But that's that's one for discussion in the preview section, I think. Um, let, let's get on to mentioning Jordan Gibson then. We, we said it earlier. Uh, he really shot it right wing back in this game, I have to say. You know, according to whoscored.com, he's the joint uh, Cal United man of the match for this game alongside Paul Huntington with 7.3 as his score. I should say the man of the match for this game was the, the Northampton goalkeeper. With seven point seven, but I think that's more a case of seven shots saved, seven shots on target saved out of the eleven that he faced. But you know that doesn't really reflect it. Really, I think that's just a stats thing. Really, um, yeah. I mean, throwing in a bit of the deeper, we we agreed on the previous show, me and Mike, that it's a risk to put him in there for you know a game against a, a very good team. But actually, you know, he stood up to everything they had in terms of attack. He he defended really well. He got forward as much as he could. The one issue I'd say, and this is inevitably going to happen if you're playing him as a, a wing-back rather than as a winger or as an attacking midfielder, there's a level of reluctance to take on his man a couple of times. And I think that's a bit of, at the back of his head, thinking, if I lose the ball here, I've then got to get all the way back to do my defensive job. Whereas it's sometimes easy to play it back inside and drop a little bit deeper again. Do you think this is a... A short-term solution till the end of the season, or do you think it's just a one-off game thing? Uh, I'll tell you when we discuss the preview. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> okay. I've, I've I've got theories around it. So. Okay, well, I've got. I think, I think the preview is going to be a bit longer than normal. I think we're going to wrap up the the review yeah. section fairly quickly because, there's, like I said, there's not a huge amount to talk about. I mean, one other thing that I haven't put in here, Dan, but I want, I want to I want to talk a bit about Owen Moxon and. We all rate him so highly, and I still think there's clubs are going to be interested in him in the, in the summer. But there can't be any denying that he he struggled to make the same impact he has been in the last month or so, hasn't he? Yeah, it, it, it's it's. 
I, I can't put my finger on it. Is he's still doing some good stuff, but he's not. He's not bossing games. He's not imposing himself on games in the same way. Is it one of those ones where we've become so reliant on him and he's been so good that I don't want to say we've taken our eye off the ball because we obviously haven't. And, and Simo and, and Co have got all the statistics they need in terms of fitness levels, haven't they? But is there an element of maybe he deserved a bit of a break? Maybe almost not so much for physical fitness, but mental fitness maybe in terms of yeah, taking him out? Yeah, he's, you know, I mean... End of the day, and in his part-time football, you know, he was driving a van this time yeah. last season. He's played nearly every minute of nearly every game. Yeah. There's bound to be a touch of fatigue. Maybe maybe not physically, but mentally, you know? Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's been a big step up, and he's been yeah. brilliant for yeah. 95% of that time. But, you know... It's... Again, I've got to talk about this in the preview. Yeah, probably good to talk about that in the preview. I kind of, I said it, didn't I, back at the Jalim game, I would have rested him for that one, just to give him that one week off of yeah. freshening himself up. I've, I wonder if we missed the opportunity to do that now because we're so late in the season. My question is, do we look and think to ourselves, you know what, rest, I'll talk about it in the preview, obviously, but rest him for the Stockport game. To guarantee, hopefully, that he'll be fresh for the for the running and for the playoffs potentially, give, let him recharge his battery slightly. I don't know. I'd, I'm I'm very much on the fence about it because I I think if we can get it, if we can just give him that little bit of a recharge, I think he'll come back flying and he'll really impose on these final few games. But it's there's only four to go, so it's tough. It's a really really tough one. Um, quick one before we do a quick lead two rounder. Dan, got to give a shout out to the officials. Uh, Rebecca Welsh was the referee for this one, and you know everyone's you know it's not in any slight way patronising way. She was genuinely a really good referee. Let yeah, the game flow. Yeah. Didn't fall for any silly little you know players throwing themselves down at every opportunity. The players seemed to be able to talk to her fine. You know there was no arguing. She don't think there was too much arguing of the booking she gave out really and that kind of thing. The only question was the, the linesman on the paddock side was pretty appalling at times. He, you know, he can, he's the old fellow with grey hair who does it quite often. He just couldn't keep up with play. Yeah. And the fellow on the stand side obviously messed up with the offside. He was constantly put his hand to his face because he couldn't see because of the sun. I never get why officials don't wear caps. It just it seems just bizarre to me. But, but there you go. Um, yeah, no, four marks to a really good referee. I mean, you can tell she referees. I know it's a women's game, but she referees at FIFA level in the women's game, doesn't she? So she's clearly got a bit of respect about her. Um, yeah, um, I should say Chris Gibson. Obviously, we both know Dan uh, from the Be Just and Fear Not forum uh, admin. Uh, he was telling me, sent me a message telling me that um, she refereed our game against Hebburn Town back when, um, a couple of years ago. Remember when we played against them in pre-season after Kedwin Scott signed for us? Yeah. Apparently she's very good that day as well. Actually, he was also said he was talking to a fellow I think called Colin, who turned out to be Kedwin Scott's uh, dad <laughs> during the game. He didn't even. Know I him. actually know someone who knows the Scott family. So Does he? Oh, very good in the Town Valley. Yeah, he's, 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 well, he's certainly having a good season at Lotts County, barring obviously the game against Wrexham the other day. So there you go. Right, let's do a quick roundup of the lead two fixtures. Dan, I'm just going to load them up now. Yeah, it. it it kind of feels like a slight missed opportunity, doesn't it? Because when you look at it, I mean, Leighton Orient won 2 0 at Sutton. They're going up as champions now. I don't think there's much doubt about that at all, is there, really? In terms of, you know, automatic's pretty much done for them. I think they just need a win on Tuesday night and that's them up. Um, 
But yeah, when you look at the others, I mean, Stephen is getting a two-one win against Wimbledon, frustrating, especially because I think the goal was very late on. Wasn't anything possible in that one? The Stockport equaliser late against Gillingham as well. That's a bit of a kicker, isn't it? Because that dropped us down to fifth place. Um, but when you look through some of the others, I mean, obviously Northampton against us, and then Bradford three 0 win at Rochdale. You were kind of hoping, weren't you? Rochdale's little uh, turnaround in form. Maybe they could nick something against them. But when you when you saw the following, Bradford had there. Did you see that? I've 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 long been an advocate of this, and I, especially at this time of season, all we can do is concentrate on our game. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, have a look at half time and full time, see yeah. what everyone's done. Yeah. But you you just end up driving yourself crazy with permutations. True, but I think you can look afterwards and say, mm, that was a missed opportunity. Oh, yeah, you don't have to yeah, worry yeah, during yeah. the games. I, I get that yeah. until the last day when you need to. I, know, but... After after the game on Saturday, I was playing about for figures and our record against other teams in the top seven is played 11 won yeah. one drawn four lost six which is seven out of 33 points we're about where we should be aren't we really you could argue we're slightly above where we should be yeah i, I, because I think go on yeah we've just done nothing against teams in the top seven the only win was against Bradford, who are the most inconsistent team going. Yeah. It, it, it's it's one of those ones when I look for it as well. That You need to take a bit of context. None of those teams have battered us, except Mansfield, really, when you look at it. Yeah. All, all of them have been very close games. Some of them we, we probably should have won or we should have nicked something from them. So you kind of look and you think... Outside of maybe the Stockport game, that's probably the only one you look and think, yeah, we probably didn't really... Oh, Stockport were atrocious. Yeah. I mean, don't get us wrong, Northampton away, a decision cost us the draw. Yeah. Which those two, those, those two points would have had us on 72 level with Northampton. Yeah. Audience at home, you know, that would have been 73 points. Yeah. You know, Stevenage, we should have had a penalty. That could have been two more, you know, yeah. but... So, the cold hard facts are we've not yeah. been good enough against yeah. the others. Yeah. Just just to wrap up the um looking at the uh, League Two things in terms of the games that actually mean anything. Um Salford losing at home against Colchester. Big boost towards that because I've not saying it does guarantee is it, but it puts us in a pretty strong position to secure a playoff place now, doesn't it, really, at the very least. Which is it's got to be the first aim this season. Get a top seven finish. At the very least you've extended your season, haven't you? Yeah. That, that's the aim. So that's a really good one for us. And Barrow draw, drew nil nil at Swindon, so I think their chance of the playoffs are looking pretty much gone now, aren't they? Basically, you've got Mansfield, Salford, and Barrow going for seventh because the teams yeah. one to six, barring a calamity, should be in the playoffs now. Yeah. And the thing is, Mansfield. I know they've got a game in hand, but that game in hand is the toughest one you could pick to get an audience. Yeah. So you know that, that an Orient are probably going to be wanting to secure the title at the very least, aren't they? So, so yeah, there you go. Um, right, okay. Uh, let's let's take a short break then, Dan, and we'll be back to preview the Stockport game. This is John Mellish. You listen to the Brunt and Bugle, and we're back to lock ahead to the it's huge, isn't it? Really, now a midweek game against Stockport County in in League mm. Two, and it, it's. It's one of the games of the running, Dan. About you that I've been kind of slightly dreading a little bit because I, they they they're in such incredible form, and you know they're going to have a huge following behind them. But 
what a game to potentially go and perform in. I think Simo always says this for these games, doesn't he? That's the potential chance to show what actually we're made of. Yeah, bring them on. Absolutely. It's, it's Tuesday night lights at the Fortress. Bring them on. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly that. Right, before we do the Behind Enemy Lines section, uh, Mike sent us in a question of the week that we're going to try and answer now for this week's episode. In 2006, we played Stockport away on the last game of the 2005-2006 season and Paul Simpson brought himself on off the bench for the last 10 minutes trying to get a goal to win the game. Who did he bring himself on for? Ooh. I'm, I'm on the fence about two potential answers here. Raffinade or Glen Murray? I feel like it's one of those two. Or six. Uh, Bridges I'm, was injured, wasn't he? He missed the final game. Remember that. I'm going to go for it's either it's going to be a midfielder, I think, like for like. So it's either going to be Chris Billy, mm-hmm. or. Adam Murray. Okay, so you're going to go for one of them? Yeah. Which one are you going to go for? I'll say Adam Murray. Okay, I'm going to go Raffinardi. So let's see what the answer is. And it was Simon Hackney. Oh, not... That seems obvious, doesn't it? A left winger for a left winger, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we're we'll thinking about it. There you go. Nice nice little question there from Mike for question of the week. Uh, right, uh, so up first before we uh, get into talking about Stockport ourselves is... Uh, Behind enemy line section, I spoke to the guys from the Scarf Begara War uh, podcast. Unusual name for a podcast, isn't it? Um, what did we talk about? Oh, we talked about how their first season in the EFL has gone. Back in the EFL, I should say. Um, whether they can keep up their form for a top three finish and a little bit on some of the former Blues in their squad ahead of this week's big game. Yeah, they're getting into squeaky bum time in the uh, League Two season now, I think it's fair to say. And this is probably the last... Well, it's not that I'd say the last tough game we face, but probably the, the, the toughest of the remaining four fixtures. And for behind enemy lines this, this week, we are speaking to Russ from the, uh, is it the Scarf Begara War podcast? Yep. Yeah. Where, yep. where's, that, where's that name come from? Just out of curiosity. Everybody asks us this. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one. So uh, do you remember a manager called Danny Begara from the yes. late 80s, early 90s? He was the first foreign manager to lead out a domestic team in England at Wembley, oh. actually, us at Wembley. Um, so he's a legend manager for us. He was the manager when I started watching. So Danny Begara, and we have a song that you'll hear at the ground when we sing it um, at Brunton uh, this week, and it's the scarf my father wore. So we just yeah. merged the two together, basically. Ah, very clever. See, mm. see, if I did something, it'd be something to do with similar. It would be about Mickey Wadsworth's tash, probably, because he was the manager <laughs> when I first started going. And we were brilliant back then, back then. But uh, hopefully getting somewhere back to that now. Um, Russ, let's talk about Stockport then. Um, first season back in the EFL after how many years you've been away? It's quite a while. 12. It, 12. And that, people don't forget, that includes a stint in the National League North. I mean, I, yeah. God, list, list some <laughs> of the places you had to go in the National League North, just to get off your chest and things like that. Oh, Vauxhall Motors, Colwyn oh, Bay. Um, Vauxhall, them two are even. I think mean, Colwyn Bay are back in the Welsh leagues now. They're back they? in the Welsh league, yeah. Vauxhall, Vauxhall Motors, Motors dropped very bottom, yeah. Yeah, got beat. Uh, a key highlight was uh, getting beat by Rushall Olympic in the oh, second word. qualifying round of the FA Cup or there or thereabouts. <laughs> yeah, we spent I mean, six th- seasons in that. Yeah. 
I mean, six seasons in National League North as well. That's incredible. I mean, to come from there, you've obviously had the new owners come in and invest a hell of a lot into the club and, you know, they're clearly very behind and want the club to succeed. Mm. To be where you are now, does it... It, it must be weird now when you look back at those days and you must laugh and think, wow, how far have we come in that time? Yeah, it is a bit. Um, we've done our own podcast series on it called The Dark Days, just charting mm. all of the absolutely stupid stuff that went mm. on. You wouldn't, you, I mean, every every club has its turmoil, doesn't it? But we we like to think that we we've had it, you know, worse than the most. Um, but compared to where we are now, it's just it's an absolute dream, really. Is we we look back fondly, really, on the, on those days, the dark days, because um, we did go to some places, you know, and you know, non-league is non-league. You've got to just mm. you know, roll your sleeves. You, I mean, you you'll know yourself being in the national league for a bit. Yeah. For one season, thank God. One <laughs> season. We, we had the one season, but we, we did Lee I. We did, um, where else did we do? So we did Lee I. We did Tamworth. We did, obviously, Dagenham back then were just non-league. Um, Farnborough, Woking, um, I mean, all kinds of godforsaken places, the nicest way possible. Yeah. I mean, we, play, we played Redditch in the FA Trophy at, <laughs> at Workington Reds ground because our ground had flooded a few weeks earlier. So, yeah, it, it was... It was dark days in that sense, but thankfully we got out quickly. So I can't imagine what 12 seasons were like. This season, obviously you're back in the Football League now, having won the uh, title in um, yep. in the National League last season. A lot of people were expecting you guys to basically zoom straight through and win the title. I mean, us included, we all, I think pretty much on our pod, all of us predicted you guys to win the title. In the summer, did you have that expectations among yourselves? And are we... Yeah, did you expect yourselves to maybe find it a little bit of a slow going at the start? Because now you're motoring, aren't you, really? Yeah, there's the, there was a bit of a mixture, really. So from the club, officially, the, the owner, Mark Stott, the captain and the manager, they all said, yeah, we want to go, we want to aim high, you know, investment, blah, 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 I want to go straight straight through. Some of the more considered fans, I like to think myself included in there, I was quite happy with top seven, anything seventh and mm. above. Um, quite happy with that. Others were saying, "Well, you know, let's just let's just consolidate in 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 League Two. Not many people were saying that, to be fair, but I have seen it mentioned. Um, so where we are is about where we should be, based on. I mean, if you think of the if you think of the investment that we've had, it stands to reason. Do you know what I mean? We were signing uh. League One captains in the National League in Sarsavik and Paddy Madden, for God's sake, you know. So you ex- you ex- you expect a bit of return on that, don't you? And we've and we've added to that. I think where we struggled to start with um, was we'd bought eight, I think it was eight or nine, I want to say nine nine new players into the squad and pretty much just threw them straight in. So you've got the difference in standard, because there is. Um, yeah. I, I kind of don't care what anyone says when people say, oh, National League and League Two's, there's not yeah, much difference. Yeah. There, there is a difference. I mean, there, there, there definitely is. Um, and when you when you add to that the jump and then putting new players in, it took us quite a while to get ourselves sorted and get ourselves um, get ourselves motoring. And that started to happen. Bradford away, I think just before we played you actually, Bradford away, mm. uh, and Bradford. I mean, their their podcast said uh, we were the best team we'd played. We we we'd, we'd gone there at that point as well. So um, it has been. We have been motoring. We've got twenty clean sheets this season. And we played what forty-two matches, so not yeah. a bad return at all. Yeah, I mean, like when I look for your squad, we we discussed it on you know this in the season, and we still thinking, oh, we look, we think, wow, there is so much quality in there. But 
you've you've you trimmed it a little bit in January, didn't you? you, you you've done a little bit of tweaking around the edges. Um, in terms of the players you brought in, um, the lad from Millwall, he was uh, at Sutton. Um, I, I'm going to get his name wrong here. Isaac Olafea. Is uh, right? Well, yeah, Tanto Olafi is, is probably Tanto the easier Olafi. way to. All right, Tanto yeah. Olafi. All right, okay, I'll go with that then. Yeah. So yeah, he's coming. We were very impressed with him for Sutton when we played mm. against him. Yeah, I think he's a really, really good player. So that's a good signing. But I mean, let's let's start with the obvious ones to talk about. Jack Stretton. So obviously you had him on loan a few years ago. Yeah. You know, only there for a month, but he did okay. He got two goals in five games, I think it was. Um, was it maybe three? I can't remember either way. Yeah. Um, we brought him in on loan in the summer. Fairly impressive. You know, he looked quite decent playing as that wide striker, but he did only get two goals for us, which both came in the same game. So when it came to Johnny, you guys made the bid. We were like, okay, let's match the bid. And then we worked out how much you could offer wages compared to us. And it was kind of like, okay, he's not coming here. And Simo admitted as much. He said, look, if we matched your wages, he'd be our highest in play. And we just can't justify that at the moment. So it's how's he done since going back? Because he, he seems to have taken his time to find his way into the team, but he's got a couple of goals lately. Uh, yeah, I think that's just about it. He's taken his time. He's had. I think he's been hit with an injury. I think he was injured when he came in. So it yeah, took him a, a while to to rehab that and, and get, get in. Um, and yeah, he's he's starting to click now. He's starting to click. So he scored, like I say, a couple of goals in the last few weeks. Didn't score against Gillingham, but Gillingham away, that's the toughest game we've had mm-hmm. probably all season, I would say. We've not played Leighton Orient away yet, so or Carlisle mm-hmm. away. Um, so, so, uh, but yeah, that Gillingham game, yeah, you, you're not going to get much of a sniff. So um, really impressed with him, and you'll only get better. And, and our t- attacking options, you know, you, we've got Stretton, Tanto Alafi, Paddy Madden and Carl Wooden. So you'll see probably, yeah. but I mean, Paddy Madden struggling to get in the team at the moment, which says a lot about the others. So uh, we'll see who he puts out tomorrow night. But yeah, Stretton's been good. Been really impressed with him. I think he was always sort of one for the future if we did sign mm-hmm. him. So it's kind of like, if he's going to get a bit away from you guys, I can't, I, I don't think anyone blamed him for t- taking the option he did, to be fair. Um, you mentioned obviously your attackers there. I mean, there is some real talent there. Kyle Wharton obviously did brilliantly at uh, Notts County last season. Paddy Madden, you mentioned, another ex Carlisle player. Fair to say his Carlisle career wasn't uh, a, a dazzling one. I was actually working at the club back then and uh, fans were desperate for him to do well because he'd come from Ireland and he'd done really well over there. But he, the problem was he had so much strong competition ahead of him in the team. He was probably never, I mean, the likes of Zoko and Lee Miller and Rory Loy and uh, John Paul McGovern, you know, all playing four positions. And he just struggled to make an impact. He went to Yeovil, did brilliantly. And then we sold him rather than bringing him back and using him for some reason. But there you go. Uh, how how much of a legend is he for you guys now? Because obviously he came in and he scored so many goals for you last season. I think I saw something to make his 100th appearance for you guys fairly recently or something. So, so you guys do these cap thing things, which is quite nice. A ceremonial cap for them when they hit that. Yeah. Yeah, we do a couple of things like that, which is quite nice. Each player's yeah. got a scan number, SCAN, which is a Stockport County appearance number. So, And we've done that since every player that's ever played for us. So Paddy Madden's on something like I don't know, 1,400 and something since yeah. time began. Um, and then, yeah, every player who um, gets 100, 100 appearances gets a nice little cap, which is quite nice. Quite good in that respect. Yeah, he's... Um, I mean, he's a legend. He he scored the goal that got us up into the football league, so that is immortalised in the commentary. I've had it. I've had. It, I've done a little design for our, some mugs that we've had done. So he's yeah, he's immortalised. He's a legend of the club now. I think he is at Yeovil as well. I think they mm, they, yeah. they 
they, they like him. Not so much. I don't. Well, like you say, not for you, not for Scunthorpe. I don't yeah. think as much. But <laughs> but yeah, he's 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 great. He's absolutely great. And the fact I'm I'm a bit disappointed he's coming off the bench at the moment because I think I still think he's the best striker at the club. Stretton yeah. and Tanto Alafi will learn a hell of a lot from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, at, at League Two and League One level. So yeah, he's great. Um, and he's he's the captain. Is you know he's the is the is just a leader in the in the in the changing room. So. He's worth his weight in gold, really is. It's funny we we on the on our pod we we got a clip from one of your uh, official websites uh, video interview things they did with him something where he talks about his favourite food and it's something like oh, just a nice chicken salad. Anyway, the most it's the most boring sounding answer. So we use every now and then we want to amuse ourselves. We play this little clip of him going on about his uh, chicken salad or whatever is his. What I think it was what meal he'd have on death row, and he's like, "Come on, man." It's something a bit more exciting than that. But um, yeah, so I mean, a few games to go, sitting where you are. And obviously we, both of us have, you know, we're on very, you mentioned this before when we recorded a bit for yours. We're on very similar points. I think you are one better off in goal difference. Um, Weirdly, um, defensively, you are better than us, even though our defence has been really good recently and you're not as good as as attacking wise, which I never would have thought about. But actually when you look at it, you're like, oh yeah, that's the way it is. When you look at those teams around us, obviously with the games in hand and stuff like that, do you think top three is still a realistic uh, opportunity for you guys? I mean, I look at your remaining games and I think to myself, yeah, you've got Leon Orient, but they'll probably be up and potentially even champions by then. And you've got Rochdale and Hartlepool, so... Yeah, I mean, this, the, it sounds cliche, there's a lot of football to be played. I, this is why I think there's so much on, to, on this game this week against Carlisle, because mm. if we lose that... We go into the Rochdale game, and yeah, we, you know, if you had to hand pick two two home games to have for, in your in your last three yeah. matches, you'd pick the two that are near the bottom that are probably odds on to go down. But they're going to come out and fight, like you say. Leighton yeah. might might be on the beach already. We are really good away from home as well, so I'm more concerned. I'd, I'd be more concerned if we were playing Leighton Orient at home, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Um. So it's it's one of them. I don't I, I don't really know because we've got the two worst teams in a sandwich. With with the best team sort of in the middle, and then arguably, yeah. you know, we went Carlisle on Saturday. That you know, from from the first of January to Saturday, we were the f- teams that you know um, accumulated the most points out of everybody. Yeah. So we've got past that Gillingham match, not lost that. We've got a really tough game against you lot now um, at Brunton Park, and it's the one where I think if I think if we beat you, if we do beat you this week, that's a massive fifth, by the way. Yeah. I think then I think we will probably hopefully go on just to nick that third spot. I, I kind of feel like whichever team wins it puts yeah. themselves in a good position to have a Absolutely, go at it at yeah. the very least. The key thing is, I say Bradford have got a game in hand, but I forget the fact that Bradford have got to play late in Orient still as well. Mm. <laughs> and also their game in hand is against Crew, And until recently, I would have said that's a gimme. But since like Courtney Baker Richardson's come back, they seem to be actually winning a few games Brilliant. again now, Crew. So yeah. They could cause problems, and Mansfield obviously their game in hands against Orient as well. So it, it's kind of there's so many permutations in there. Annoyingly, Stevenage seems to have probably the easiest running of all the lot, which you know I think looks like they're going to probably snatch that second place in the end, maybe with the game in hand they've got as well. So it's hard to judge. In terms of the long term, I've seen you guys have got some plans, haven't you, for like a a bit of a renovation for Edgley Park? Because obviously we went down there in October, and I love going there because it's a proper town centre football ground much more town centre than Brunton Park and I love the fact that Brunton Park's only a you know 15 minute walk from the town centre real town centre f- football ground 
real old school, but elements of it are a bit tired, aren't they? So I'm sure I saw something recently. Have you got plans to expand? Yeah, we have. So we've, our our owner has got big plans. He wants to get us, well, there's a few things really. He wants to get us into the championship within the next four four years. He wants to expand the ground eventually to a 20, 22,000 all-seater. Um, he's got big plans to renovate the area. Um, he wants to get us a training ground within the borough. That'll be the first time that's ever happened. We're at Carrington at the moment, which is yeah. we're at Man City's old training ground, which is championship quality. So straight away, when you bring players in and you're showing them around, they're going, bloody hell, this is good. You know, this is that, championship. That's the, that's the problem we've got. We we are training ground as a pitch behind. You'll see it from where you sat on tomorrow night. You can see that and it, and it floods and it gets boggy in the winter. So I, I know exactly what you mean about training grounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a blessing, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I, we're quite lucky in that respect as well because we are based in South Manchester. Mm. Players that come, they've, they've got that Manchester lifestyle. So they've got the yeah. same lifestyle of potentially, okay, a lot, lot less money, but mm-hmm. the same lifestyle as the City and United players. So you've got the richest and the most popular clubs in the world on the doorstep and players who come to County arguably could get the same, you know, experience the same lifestyle. But yeah, I've spoke to the owner a few weeks ago um, at the ground and he's just, he's just really, really positive about everything. He's really level-headed. He's worth absolutely millions and millions. So he's, you know, he's, he's already converted 7.7 million pounds worth of debt into equity. So he's written that off. It's gone into the club, invested. We've done the ground up. It's all, you know, inside the ground, it's all being renovated. We've got a new courtyard, a fan park out the back, and he's got plans to, that's temporary. He's got plans to do something a bit more permanent. So yeah, it's all, the future's bright for us. So, it, you know, so we, when we look at this journey that we've been on, and I kind of hate that word journey, but it is really, we've come from, national, you know, semi-professional regional football where we dropped down to, that's where we bottomed out. Yeah. Um, we we fought to get to, we fought as fans to make sure the club didn't go out of business and do a Macclesfield or a Berry. We, we fought tooth and nail for that and got it into a position where it was investable. So we're reaping the rewards now. And even if we don't go up this season, I'm, the, the fact that we got out of the National League away from Notts County and Wrexham, now we're in this league. We could go up, we couldn't go up. It, it, it will be seen as a failure by him, by Mark Stott, that we, if we don't go up because he's invested and he wants to get up. Mm. But me as a fan, I'm just thinking, well, if we don't go up this season, we're probably going to go up next season with the investment we've got. Does it not slightly concern you the idea of Wrexham and Notts County going up next season? Because it does me if we yeah. do. Oh, yeah. That's what worries me. I mean, for you guys, it's probably more like a, a freeway fight for the top spot for you guys, you'd think. But yeah, I mean, if then even like a Bradford's down there, I mean, it, it potentially could be a very tough division next season, isn't it? When you look at oh, it. Yeah, I mean, Wrexham, Wrexham will just do what we've done. They'll just they'll just invest again. I'm not so sure yeah. about Notts County. I think they'll probably do a bit of a Grimsby and be a bit more tailored. Um mm. But yeah, Wrexham, that's the thing what some of our fans are saying. If if we don't go up and Wrexham do, well, looks like if Wrexham are coming up, do well, we got to play Wrexham again. Bloody hell, because they absolutely walloped us last season oh. in the FA Trophy and in the league at their place. Um, So yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, you know, I expect them to be up. But we've always said we're, um, in terms of the investment and where we've got our new shiny owners, we're a year ahead of them. So yeah. That's why it would be seen as failure from Mark Stott's perspective, probably. He's probably not thinking about Wrexham, but from a fan's perspective, in his perspective, he wants to go up. Fans, because we want to stay ahead of Wrexham and we've invested all this money. Yeah. Mark Stott, 
because he spent a load of money, basically. Yeah. You've been really good with your time, Russ. I've just got a couple more things. I want to ask you a little bit about links between them. We've obviously talked about Jack and uh, um, Paddy on your side. On our side, obviously, you've got Paul Huntington. He's only done a short spell you guys. And ben Barkley's an obvious one to talk about. And Paul Simpson himself, actually. Obviously, yeah. Christian Dennis, we've talked about in the death. But Ben Barkley, obviously, do you think he's likely to stay with you guys in the summer? Because our fans are a bit on the fence about whether we'd have him permanently. I, I really like him. I would, but some of our fans are a bit, because of his injury issues, whether we'd keep him or not. Yeah, it's a funny one with Ben Barkley because when he signed for us, he signed for Accrington in League One. Mm. So straight away to the National League, I was thinking, well, we've got we've got another Paddy Madden. We've got a defender who's yeah. a Paddy Madden or a, a defender who's an Anthony Sarsavik. Um Didn't quite work out that way. I think he didn't find his feet. I expect him to leave in the summer, yeah. Stockport County. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll carry on. Um, I might be surprised. They might surprise me, but I doubt it. I think we've got better options in the squad now, and we're only going to get add to that. We're only going to get better, yeah. uh, whether we go up or we don't. So I can see him leaving. Yeah. I've got a feeling it's one of those ones where you guys will pay up a good chunk of his contract, and that probably gives him a chance to go somewhere like us on a lesser wage. I guess that's probably the the aim. I'd imagine. Quickly, then Paul Simpson. Obviously, he had a very short spell in charge of you guys. Yeah, and he admits. He does not talk very fondly about it. Not in terms of the club itself. I think it was more the people who were in charge at the time, which you guys aren't big fans of either, I think, to be fair. And he said it's it's the it almost put him permanently off the idea of ever being a manager again. He obviously went into being assistant and coaching a lot after that. Because he said he was lied to by a lot of people there, which sounds like you guys were as well. <laughs> what memories yeah. have you got of that short time in charge? Because it, it, it sounded to him, from what he repeats at forums occasionally, that it was just an absolute mess. Yeah, it was a shit show. It was an absolute shit show. So th- that was the start of the dark days, pretty much. Mm. Um, and I'm convinced, I, and I hope, he, I hope he listens to this, but I'm convinced yeah. that if Paul Simpson had stayed with us and we hadn't sacked him at the end of that League Two season, we'd still have been in League Two. Probably mm. probably putting off the inevitable. We'd have probably yeah. circled the drain and gone down eventually at some point. But I think he got the real shitty end of the stick, Paul Simpson. Yeah. Um there was one. There was one little story though that I, I can never get out of my head. Um, <laughs> he replaced Jim Gannon, uh, and Jim Gannon had a whiteboard at the training ground at the time, and he had a list of targets. And on this list of targets, um, I'm reliably informed was Jamie Vardy at the time, and he mm-hmm. played for uh, Stocksbridge Park Stock Steels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah at the time, that. and I think he was. I think he was about to go to Halifax or something like that. Uh, Paul Simpson apparently. Don't know how true this is. Apparently. Came in, um, the, the team at the time said, "Look, these you know, these are the targets, the coaching team." And Paul Simpson got a, the rubber out, wiped the ball clean, and went, "They're not my fucking targets." And Jamie think, Vardy was on that list. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's one of those ones. Isn't it? I think sometimes managers can do that, can't they? And yeah. occasionally works. I think. I mean, from what we can gather, the, the players we signed in January were not Keith Billen's targets last summer. Like Christian Dennis was someone that. Beach had been watching for a while, actually. And Jamie Devitt's one of those ones that was just forced on the manager thing because it was a popular one for the fans. And actually, it's worked out fairly well. He's not played as much, but he's been a useful, a really good person to have in the dressing room. So, yeah, I, 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 it's one of those things. Isn't it? I think he was a bit younger and a bit rawer back then. And, he was, and it, I think he admitted he's a bit more cockier now, whereas now he's a lot, lot more calm and measured. And I think probably having a three-year deal, being back at his hometown club, probably helps a little bit there as well. I think yeah. It's, yeah. it's fair to say. Um, Russ, you have been very generous with your time. Thank you very much. Um, before we finish, um, what's your prediction for this one? I said before the Gillingham match, when we had Gillingham, Jill's in the blood on mm. uh, their preview, I said we would get a draw at Gillingham and win at Brunton Park. So I'm going to stick with that. 
and I'm going to say we're going to win. We are going to win two 0 because I know you're struggling to score, and we're pretty good away, and we we don't conceive many ourselves. Well, so, all I'll say to you is that Thomas Hurley is going for a club record twentieth clean sheet in one season potentially. Oh, right, so okay. there is a little bit of riding on it for Big Thomas, and he's a, as long as you don't lump balls into the box because he, he claims them all day. Six foot nine, so it's easy enough. But there you go, Russ. Uh, thanks again for your time and. I guess I can wish you all the best for the rest of the season after this one. <laughs> but um, we'll probably see you in the playoffs in a, couple, a month or so's time anyway. So, Maybe. Uh, yeah. Cheers, Ross and all Cheers, mate. Nice one. Yeah, big thanks once again to the guys from the, uh, the Scarf Bagara War podcast for giving up their time to speak to us. Um, yeah, it's... <sighs> we just said it there, Dan, isn't it? It's, it's a huge game, this one, isn't it? And and what you, what you want when you've got a huge game like this between two teams that are gunning for promotion... With a referee who's not going to drag the attention onto himself and who's going to let the game run smoothly and do a great job, don't you? Yeah. We've got Thomas Parsons, mm. um, who is, if you think the name sounds familiar, you'll you'll realise why in a minute. Um, it's his first season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 25 games so far this season, handing out 113 yellow and four red cards. Um, last season, in the National League, he handed out 35, sorry, 55 yellows and four red cards in 16 games. And when was the last uh, United game he took charge of, Dan? Uh, late in audience. Late in at home, early this season. So yes, the game of the penalty that wasn't given for a blatant handball. Ryan Edmondson's red card as a result of that penalty with a little altercation with Darren Prattley. And the most ridiculous offside decision you'll ever see in your life. So, yeah. Doesn't exactly fill you with confidence, does it? I think it's fair to say. Because he'd given an appalling red card just in the game just before ours as well, didn't he? I think it was Cambridge against Ipswich for diving when the lad was clearly yeah. taken out. Um, interesting to know. I look back just because obviously I look back through the stats for the officials just to see how they've done. And um, he didn't referee a game the following weekend, so he'd clearly been taken off the list for that one week. Essentially, the punishment for his poor performance because we got two apologies for that game, didn't we? For the handball and for the offside. So, yeah, not exactly the name you wanted to hear, was it really, to the referee for this no. one? Head-to-head record, uh, it's going to be the 84th meeting between the two sides. United have won 33, 16 have been a draw, and the Hatters have won 34. So it's very, very tight on the head-to-head. Um, Dan, Stockport County, I mean, back in pre-season when we did the preview episode, I think both me and you had them finishing top of the league, didn't we? If I remember rightly. Is that right? I, I'm pretty sure yeah. I did, I remember that. Definitely up there. <laughs> Are you, have you were you a little bit disappointed with how they've done this season up until now? Uh, well, you only look at where you finish after forty six games, and True. you know they've they've been on a hell of a run. One, two, three, four. I'm just counting up. They've lost one out of the last sixteen. Yeah, you know? one out of the so, last sixteen. In fact, stat. I've put the stats there. The talking points for you done since you know. In the last three months, basically, they've um, since January only lost three league fixtures. All three of those league fixtures have been one nil defeats away from home at Wimbledon, Barrow, and Grimsby. So you know, if you can keep it tight and you can nick a goal, which we might be capable of doing at the moment, you never know. Um, they're there to be got. But you're right, aren't they? The, the last two months, especially, they've been incredible, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, they've been churning results out and. They get a good support, well travelled. You know, it's they're up there on I'm, merit. 
I think you're right in terms of no one sort of remembers really what happened overall during the season, do they? Quite often because people forget when Portsmouth won the division back in was it was it sixteen seventeen? I think when they won it uh, when they got promoted, the only time they were top of the league was on the final day of the season. Yeah, <laughs> so sometimes it, it can accumulate. Obviously, they're not going to win the league this season because Orient are going to win that. But they've every chance of being in the top three, I think, in terms of the way things have gone. Hopefully, we'll put a dent in that midweek. In terms of their um, transfer activity... Um, I'm, I'm just uh, quickly looking at go on. Stockport's fixtures that are left. What an interesting set of fixtures. Go on. They've got us. Yeah. They've got a derby at home to Rochdale on Saturday. Well, potentially, they could probably relegate them, that's yeah. I guess. Then they play Orient away. Mm, who could be trying to clinch a league and their last game is Hartlepool at home and Hartlepool might need a result there might yeah. <laughs> they so yeah that's an interesting set I, the, the problem I've got there is I feel like Orient might have already sealed the title by then they, yeah, I think yeah, they yeah. could actually if I'm wrong they could actually seal the title tomorrow night couldn't they possibly I know they can definitely seal promotion tomorrow night but they might not be far off sealing the title as well Possibly. It's very tight at the top anyway. Um, yeah. It, it kind of feels when you look at those fixtures that they've got every chance of possibly winning all four <laughs> in, the, in the nicest way possible. You've got two teams at the top, but you know, one that's struggling to score goals, one that should be promoted by then, and two teams right down at the bottom. They must fancy their chances, surely? You would think so. Yeah, what, what in terms of their squad? I mean, sorry, January transfer work even, sorry. Um some interesting signings in there, isn't there? Yeah, they've uh, they've been quite active, haven't they? Both summer and January. You know, Jack Stratton's the obvious one, isn't he? Yeah, it's a kind of frustrating one for us. Obviously, the fact that as Simo revealed, if we'd sign him on the wage that Stockport signed him on, he would be our highest paid player. You could not justify him being our highest paid player, could you? No, really, no. he he wasn't as good as as the other players around. Him. He wasn't scoring goals in the same. Well, you know, he's chipped in a couple for Stockport now, but, you know, four goals over the season so far as a striker, winger. You know, Amari Patrick's been out for a huge chunk of the season. I think he's got as many as that, so so there you go. Um, yeah, in terms of the other ones, the lads from Millwall is the one that really impresses me. Isaac uh, Olafeo? Olafe? Yeah, Olafe, yeah, 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 from... Um, he was on loan at Sutton for a few seasons, wasn't he? He really impressed me when we played against Sutton. So I think that's a real coup. Um, Kyle Noel as well from um, Doncaster Rovers. He really impressed me in the couple of games I've seen him. When he played against us for Cambridge as well, he was a really good player. So I think that's a good addition. Joe Grayson on loan from Barrow is a weird one though, isn't it? I guess that must be just some sort of cover in a particular position. It doesn't seem to make any sense if Barrow don't really want him to then loan Ben Barkley out to us rather than... Was it not part of the Elliot Newby going there? Maybe, maybe they felt they needed to get someone in. Yeah, that's that's one of the yeah. deals. Maybe why it came in, I don't know. But there you go. Um, overall, in the squad though, Dan, who who do you pick out as your danger woman? You look at it. Uh, the one who's I've noticed scored a couple of goals recently. Uh, Kyle Wooten. He doesn't always score goals, but yeah. when he does, they're usually key goals. Yeah. Quite quite often gets a double as well. I think he's got a double three or four times this season. Yeah. Paddy Madden's interesting, isn't he? Obviously, uh, ex-Blue, you know, didn't really work out for him here. He's worked out pretty much everywhere else he's been at yeah. other than us. 
he's been a bit out in and out of the team at the moment. You wonder if he's maybe coming towards the end of his time with them, possibly. You know, maybe they'll possibly, be to move on possibly. soon because Stretton's been starting ahead of him actually in recent. Yeah, weeks, so. Stretton's hit form, hasn't he? He's yeah. Scored a couple of times recently. And to be fair, though, he's still their top scorer in Madden, so you know it's not like he's completely out of the question there. I guess um, in midfield, Will Collar's an interesting, wasn't he? He's, he's one who's done really sort of. I suppose for League Two fans, almost come out of nowhere, isn't he? Really, in terms of how he's done, I think most people were looking and thinking Camps and Sarsovic were the two yeah, to watch out for. They tend they? to come off the bench a bit at the moment, don't they? Yeah, they don't really start as much. So he's, you know, he's, he's done really well. Collie scored obviously the equaliser at the weekend against Gillingham. In a, you know, a game that they'll be glad to have got a point out of in the end, 89th minute equaliser. And in terms of defence. Fraser Horsfall's the obvious one, isn't he? Really, in terms of the, the quality at the back there, we saw how good he was for Northampton. Barring that handball against us, so yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's a squad packed. I mean, we've gone through that. We haven't even mentioned Phil Bardsley, who they signed, and he's not even getting paid a wage apparently. So he only played three games, didn't he? And then I think he literally covered some injuries. Yeah, I think he's still signed up, isn't he? Just in case, yeah, yeah, need him. But yeah, it's it's it's, you know, it's, it's not bad to be able to have someone like him come in and cover for a few games, is it really? But there you go. Um, in terms of overall form, then. Uh, they're currently second in the last six games form table with a record of drawn one, drawn one, one drawn. So very formidable. United in comparison have actually dropped down to 17th now with a record of drawn, loss, loss, one, drawn, drawn. So I mean, only two losses in there, but it's the draws that are killing us at the moment, isn't it? That's the problem. Um, yeah, so United then, Dan. You said you've got some theories. Yeah, I mean, surely we... If if we're serious about a top three finish or pushing for one, we need to win this, don't we? The starting point for this game is Ben Barkley can't play. Yeah. So the question is, do we maintain the five at the back? And in which case, you would imagine Whelan would just slot in on the right of the three. Yeah. Or, given our struggles, is there a potential change to possibly a four at the back and a flat back four? In which case... Gibson won't be right back for me. I think it would yeah. have to be senior. Yeah, for me, I, I, I'd agree with that. If we're going to go back four, I think you've got to bring senior in. Yeah, yeah. I'm not 100% convinced he'll go straight into a back four because I feel like at this stage in the season to switch to that for starting games is a big risk. You know, when, you, when you're so set up and you, I'm, when you're looking so strong with a back three, it's a massive risk to then switch from that to a back it four. Is, it is a risk, but... The way we're playing at the moment, do we need to start taking risks? That's the question. This is the gamble, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. are, are, you going, are you going to go all it's out to try, and, twist, isn't it? To try yeah. and nick that top three place by beating Stockport and put yourselves in a good position? Or do you think to yourself, you know what? Another nil-nil would not be the worst thing in the world because it puts us one point closer to securing a player place. That's another thing I should say, actually. The points total we've hit now, 71 points, is exactly the points total we got at the end of the season we made the playoffs under Keith Curl in 16-17. And we scraped in that season, remember? We got the win on the last day, didn't we, to, to sneak in, back in on the last day. So, you know, hats off to Simo. We've got four games to go. We could still finish quite a bit higher than, in terms of points than we did last time. Um, I don't know. If you go with that back four, do you stick with, do you go with Huntington and Mellish then as your two centre-backs? Yeah. Do you, so you've got to trust John to basically sit there rather than... Uh, you can trust him for long game. I, I, think, I think you can trust him, to be fair. Yeah. So, so you'd, you'd potentially... That, I mean, would you not potentially look at the option of putting Senior in at right wing back, 
and then taking McCalman out of the midfield. But for me, the big problem I've got at the moment is that midfield is too one-dimensional. They're all too a li- just a little bit too similar. Guy Enos, See, it's a bit. Deep. I the yeah. arguments for the midfield revolves around Jamie Devitt for me because are you going to get ninety minutes out of Jamie Devitt? Probably not. Could you get a good solid sixty-five in a big big game with a very experienced head who's calm on the ball? Yes. Mm. The question is, who would you drop for him? On, it boils down to McCallman or Moxon. Yeah, I don't think you drop Guy. I think Guy's been excellent for a while. No, no, guy, 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 guy starts. Moxon, yes, it would be harsh, but we need to do something. And he would more than likely be coming on as a sub anyway hmm. when Devitt tires. Yeah. Or or then if if we if we stay back five and it's just wheeling for Barclay, yeah. is it then Devitt in for McCallman? Because Gibson would be at right wing back? Or, and this is obviously the one I was suggesting before, you, you put wheeling in for Barclay, you switch Senior in at right wing back, but then you push Gibson into midfield and take McCallman out then and go back with that midfield three that works so well for long periods at the start of the season, mm. and also sort of turn of the year-ish, and you know they look so strong. And we haven't even got to who to play up front yet. No, we haven't. I, it, it, the, the big advantage, if you do that there as well, Danny, is that you give yourself the option to go four three three. See, see, if we if we if we start four three three, you would keep Patrick in because he'd be on the left of the yeah. three, where, which is probably his best position. The question is, who do you play on the right? It would probably be Gibson. Yeah. Plus, plus, Gibson has got the engine to get up and down and help out defensively. Yes, yes which he's been doing as a wing back. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, is it? Like, he'd be, be a manager for I this know. game. But like the three-five-two for me, if you do it that way, you do senior at the right wing back and Gibson in midfield. You give yourself the option to switch to four-three-three, which for me worked brilliantly a few times this season when we've done it. Teams are suddenly like, wait, what what where what the hell's John Mellish doing now? He's he's buzzing about here. Oh, that's why. And Mellish really gets in about it. And I feel like But is it too like, obvious a change? And will they expect it possibly? No, because we haven't done it in so long. If you yeah. literally if you just drop wheeling in and you keep playing, you they'll just think, Oh, they've just done a like for like there, they've stuck with the same other than maybe pushing Gibson in there, they'll think, Oh, it's just the same and then suddenly bang, you go your three four you saw your four three three, and suddenly you find that um Patrick's out wide, hitting their, you know, Neuer. Because keeping Kyle Noel back as well would probably be quite an advantage if you can do that with Patrick. That'd be a real positive, potentially, wouldn't it? So, oh, you're right. It's if, a tough one. If, if we play, if it's simply uh, Whelan for Barkley, mm-hmm. I'd be tempted to start Edmondson beside Dennis. Yes. I, I think if, if I've... If, yeah, if if we weren't, if we basically but, but it, it, right it, wing back, even, even, well, that's it. It depends who plays right wing back because you could argue yeah. that you could put senior there and put Gibson in the number yeah. ten role. You know, yeah. there's if if you're sticking with Gibson at right wing back, then I agree with you. I would put Edmonton in for Patrick. But if you're not, if you're putting Gibson into that midfield, stick with Patrick and give yourself that option to change the game when you're like twenty minutes in. You're thinking, right, yeah. we're not getting a grip on it here. 
But it, hey, I, it's I'm actually genuinely quite excited to see what the lineup is. Yeah. Simmer is very, very clear. He's going to make he, some he suggested there may be changes. So he's hinted at that, hasn't he? And I think we 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 can pontificate all we wish. It will be six forty-five Tuesday when we find out. It's exciting, isn't it? It's very exciting indeed. Um, right, should we do match predictions then, Dan? Yes. So go on. I'm I'm, love, I'm really excited to hear what you're going to say here. This is going to be a clash for the ages. It's going to be goals galore, and we're going to win 4-3 later. Don't do that to me. I'm driving up for this one. I, I can't face driving back after a game like that. Not a chance. God almighty. 4-3, go, go Christian Dennis has got to score a brace. Yeah. He'll love that because he's ex-Stockport, isn't he? Well, that's a good point, yeah, actually. Yeah. Him uh, I think Jordan Gibson's due a goal. Yeah. And I'm going to go for a Huntington header to seal the win on the 88th minute. Again, against his former club, it would be. Yeah. He's played for them for a brief while. Um, all right, okay. Uh, I'm going to go nil, nil. No, I'm just... <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I'm half tempted just to, just to hopefully turn the jinx around. Uh, I'm going to go for a... I'm not going to go for as many goals. I'm going to go for a... Do I go 2-1 or 3-2? 3-2. Go on, I'm going to go for a 3-2 as well. I'm going to go... Dennis to score one, Devitt to score one, and Edmonton to get the winner. So there you go, 3-2 win. Let's hear what Mike had to say in terms of predictions. So I'm going to take one for the team this week. Um, Sinners, pretty much everything I predict is always wrong. I'm going to go as pessimistic as I'm willing to, and I'm going to go for a nil-nil draw. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, Mike. You've taken one for the team very much there. That... Oh, he's done an incredible job of trying to get himself close to winning the prediction competition, which I don't think yeah. he actually can now. I think it's pretty much impossible for him to do it now. <clears throat> so there you go. So Mike's gone for a nil-nil. Oh, genuine, it's, it's weird. Before the game against Northampton, I was quite nervous. I was kind of like, oh, we really need to win this. We've got a chance for top three. really got to win this. Now it's out of the way and we haven't won it to nil-nil. I don't feel. I think I feel as nervous for this one. I think I'm quite relaxed. I'm kind of like, okay, playoffs aren't secure yet, but one more win will do, well, probably. Regardless of what happens tomorrow, our final three games are against the teams in 9th, 8th and 10th. Yeah. One win from them three were in the playoffs. 100%. And actually, the win against Barrow will probably be the most important one, I think, because then yeah. when you go to the Salford game, they're going to have to come and try and win it. We can hit them on the break, basically. If if, if we win a Barrow, we, we likely just about end all their hopes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be even nicer. <laughs> indeed it would indeed it would uh, right well that's it for this week then Dan we haven't got the X-Files obviously we're going to cover that in a double bumper edition on um, on uh, well, I don't know what day we're going to do probably Thursday I guess maybe something like that but there will be one out a big one for the uh, the Cumbrian Derby at the weekend and um, that's it so Dan thanks for joining me no bother thanks everyone for listening and up the blues up the blues <laughs> <laughs>